Hey everybody, thanks again for checking us out here on the Way BK podcast. Um, we've taken a little break for a few weeks, but we're going to pick back up in what our reading plan is in the book of Luke. And if you're in the Brooklyn area or you know somebody in Brooklyn who might want to read with some other people who are trying to follow Jesus and uh, it might encourage them to connect with others who have the same interest, let us know. Send us a message. Check us out on our Facebook page, uh, the, the Way BK, three different words there, The Way, and then the letters BK together. Or you can check out thewaybk.com, all uh, one word, thewaybk.com. Message us. Let us know how we can help you out uh, to connect with Jesus more. Uh, today, Caleb and I are going to be talking about Luke chapter 12 and some things that Jesus teaches us here. So, Caleb, what we got going on here? Well, so at the end of chapter 11, uh, Jesus has these series of uh, harsh statements to the some of the religious leaders. Um, and in chapter 12, he is together with thousands of people who are so, the, the crowd is so tight that they're trampling on one another. And, and Jesus turns to his disciples and begins to tell them to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Um, and Luke tells us that actually the leaven of the Pharisees is a reference to uh, their hypocrisy. Um, he wants them to be wary of the influence that the, these religious leaders might have on them. And the reason that's important is because he says eventually they're going to be unmasked. Uh, what, what is filthy and rotten about them is going to be exposed. And if you spend too much time with people who are rotten and filthy and hypocritical, um, it can rub off on you. So this is so wild to me. I get yeah, and you may have another thought on this, but I, I guess one thing I think about is the Pharisees were like the popular um, religious spiritual people or whatever. And here Jesus has tons of people around. I mean, like you said, thousands. I forget that every time until I read it. It's just said so uh, almost dismissively by Luke. But there's thousands of people like crushing Jesus from all sides, and he takes that moment to talk about the most popular people and attack them, knowing that could affect the crowds. It's just I don't know what that means. It's just interesting to me that Jesus is always uh, totally unafraid to talk about what's right and true, no matter the consequences for the people. Yeah. And one thing that stood out to me, too, was that he begins to say to his disciples first, mm -hmm. um, which I think the temptation would be to think, well, there's this huge crowd. Jesus, you should speak to the crowd first to tell them what they need to hear. But Jesus actually is trying to help the disciples realize um, that whatever teaching he gives is first for them, mm -hmm. and we ought to see um, we ought to see Jesus teaching the same way. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, you know, well, I hope somebody else hears this, or I hope somebody else gets what they need out of this. But I was reminded reading this that um, I need to approach Jesus' teaching with the attitude that Jesus has something to say for me, um, mm -hmm. something I need to learn. Yeah, and Jesus is unafraid of the consequences of what whatever he's going to say. Like he's going to say it. He's not worried about who's going to receive it, how it's going to be received, whatever. That's right. That's right. And this kind of leads into a uh, conversation that Jesus has with his uh, disciples. This is the only place in Luke where he speaks of his disciples as his friends. Um, and in chapter 12 and verse 4, he starts to say again, don't fear those who kill the body. 
and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I'll warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast in hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And this is actually a, a pretty big theme in the Gospel of Luke. Um, from the beginning of the book until now, we've seen over and over again that people are afraid. Um, you might recall that when Zechariah um, first saw the angel, fear fell upon him in chapter 1 and verse 12. Uh, and then soon after that, in, uh, in verse 29, when Mary sees the angel, she's afraid. Uh, when the shepherds see the angel, they're also afraid um, in chapter <clears throat> In chapter 2. Um, but there's this interesting statement uh, in Zechariah's prophecy at the end of chapter 1 when he's talking about when the Messiah comes, when God visits his people. And he says that the Messiah is going to uh, bring about deliverance from the hand of our enemies in verse 74 that we might serve him without fear. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things you'll see throughout this, throughout the Gospel of Luke is people who are afraid and then Jesus telling them, do not fear, or trying to, t- trying to redirect their fear mm. away from the things that they are afraid of. And I think about um, when Jesus saw Simon after Simon, uh, when Jesus uh, gave Simon a huge catch of fish, And uh, Simon was telling Jesus, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And then um, you've got the story. That's in chapter... Chapter 5 and verse, uh, what is that, 25 and verse 10. Okay. That's the one with Simon and the fish and all that. Right. Okay, got it. And then uh, later on in chapter 5 and verse 26, after uh, Jesus raises the lame man up to walk. Um, It says that the people were seized uh, and they glorified God and they were filled with fear, saying, we've seen extraordinary things today. Um, So it's just one story after another uh, of fear. And then sometimes you've got places where the disciples are afraid, but they're afraid of all the wrong things, like on the boat where um, when when the storm comes up and Jesus is... uh, is asleep and the disciples are afraid and then uh, they wake up Jesus and 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 they're trying to figure out what what's going to happen here and Jesus Jesus calms the storm and after that they're even more afraid but now they're afraid of Jesus and I think one of the things that Jesus is trying to stress here in chapter 12 is that sometimes our problem is not that we're afraid but that we're afraid of all the wrong things So what do you think? I think that's a pretty helpful and uh, powerful concept that fear itself is not a bad thing. We all know even from a practical day-to-day life experience, fear is actually a good thing. Like if you're afraid of certain animals or if you're afraid of heights, there's some self-preservation that comes into that and that's healthy. Uh, But if we're afraid of the wrong things or if we're afraid of everything, that's pretty paralyzing. You can't live that way. So what do you see as being some of the things that we are wrongly afraid of like what are some of the things that instead of fearing god or fearing jesus power or whatever um what do you see in people's lives that are 
problematic fears, I guess, or misdirected fears or whatever language you used a second ago. Yeah. Well, one of the things that Jesus seems to be addressing here is the fear of man and the fear of what people might do to you um, if you are to submit to him as king and as lord of your life. And obviously, I think that's a huge one uh, today. Um, I think a lot of us, if we're honest and uh, self-aware, we tend to fear more what people think about us sometimes than, than what the Lord uh, thinks about us. Um, sometimes we live our lives more focused on pleasing people uh, than on pleasing the Lord. And, and that's part of why I think Jesus says here, you know, don't fear man. The worst thing they could do to you is, is kill your body. Um, but if, if another reason that's dangerous is if, if fear leads you to follow people, like take the Pharisees here, if it leads you to end up following them because you're afraid of what might happen if you don't follow them, well, Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. You're gonna, the, mm-hmm. the ones that you follow are, are, are the ones you're going to become life, like. And so uh, a, fear, a fear of man may end up leading me to deny Jesus and, and to disown him, um, which is what Jesus addresses down in... Uh, chapter 12 and verse 8 and 9. Um, so Jesus has kind of given us reasons to redirect our fear away from man and back to God. And uh, and he says, one, you need to think about the fact that God has the power to uh, not just kill your body, but to throw your, throw your soul in hell. Um, but also, it's interesting, it's not just like a negative view of God here. It's not just the judgment of God that Jesus tells us should teach us to fear him. Um, it's also the fact that God values you, um, and he, he won't forget about you. He talks about the sparrows. Jesus talks about these sparrows that um, are worth less than a penny, but, uh, but with God, they're not forgotten. And, uh, and God knows how many, he knows things about us that we don't even know ourselves, like how many hairs are on our head. Mm-hmm. Um, he, know, he knows things about us, and the reason he knows those things is because he has this value for us. He cares deeply about us. And so one of the comforting things I think I take from this text is um, that if I'll confess him, if I'll fear God enough to confess him before men, at whatever cost that may come, that may come with that, um, then he's going to confess me before the angels. Jesus says, I'll, I'll confess you even before the angels. God's not going to abandon me. Um, in fact, he's given us his spirit that is going to be with us and, and, and helping us along the way. Um, so that we don't get um, discouraged or disheartened or despair. Hmm. So what I hear you say is um, people who are powerful and therefore have some sort of social power that could elevate us, people that might uh, approve of us or value us, make us feel valued at least, um, They may we may be understood by them or known by them, like all these desires that we have if we seek them in people it's pretty destructive and if that's what we're if we're seeking that in people then we're going to be afraid of people and therefore we'll do whatever they want us to do because i want their power to be to be a benefit to me to elevate me socially or whatever i want their approval i want you know i want to be known by them by someone who i'm in love with or by a friend group or by people at work or in my school or community or whatever but Jesus is saying you need to redirect those desires that will lead you to fear. Whoever whoever you think will give you those things and satisfy those desires, that's who you're going to fear. 
So you should know that God's going to fulfill those desires right. more than other people, basically. And actually, Which is huge. I, mean, I, I feel, so it's funny, I don't know, for me, this is a stupid, stupid example, but I, like it means something whenever people value you or elevate you. Mm-hmm. I remember one time uh, I tweeted something about some person who had written a book that I was reading. And like, and they were some you know celebrity person, whatever. And they retweeted my tweet, and I was like so happy. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, they probably had some assistant, and I was probably just the next one that popped up, and they were just like retweeting like every hundred mm-hmm. tweets. So it wasn't anything special, <laughs> but I was like, oh wow, look, this is great, you know. And it's just really stupid. And I mean, that's I would say a stupid example of that, but I mean, people do stupid things for, you know, someone they're in love with. Um, even destructive things themselves or they do things that they would have never thought possible in their business practices or at school to get approval and stuff like that because if we become so enamored with getting that stuff from other people then we fear them then we do whatever they want and Jesus here is saying flip that around you got to redirect that to God and let him be the one that gives you that stuff yeah that's the thing too is that uh, that kind of fearing the wrong things is actually destructive Um, but fearing God actually frees you to love people and yeah. to help people and to serve people, um, and in ways that if you're if you're afraid of man, you can get paralyzed. You know, you can get paralyzed from actually saying what needs to be said um, or doing things that are actually helpful to them because you're afraid of you know how they might respond or how they might react. Um, but actually, if if I have a healthy fear of God, it frees me to love people to do what is best for them because I know that the Lord is. Uh, is going to be there and he's going to take care of me. And I don't need them. Right. To, so I can just be there for them. I don't need them to do something for me. Exactly. I've got God taking care of me so I can, that's, that's a great point. I think another thing that's closely related to this though, that we fear and the way Jesus describes this is not with the term fear, but he talks about it as just being anxious. Um, and that's just like, um, this, we, we're anxious about having what we need to be secure. And it could be as simple as just, uh, you know, money to put food on the table, um, or it could be more than that. It could be it could be we're anxious about uh, wanting things that will make us, uh, you know, fit in, um, make mm-hmm. make sure that we have what we feel like we've got to have to fit in. And so Jesus has a lot to say about um, overcoming anxiety in this text, and um, <clears throat> and actually starting in, down in verse uh, twenty two, he goes into that. In more detail, and he starts to tell his disciples, "Don't don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, uh, nor about your body, what you'll put on." And he starts to list all these reasons for why we should not be anxious. You know, he says, "Life is more than food, and the body's more than clothing. And if God's feeding the birds, then uh, you're a whole lot more valuable than birds. Um, they're not sowing. They're not they're not reaping. They're not even storing up, and yet the Lord takes care of them." And um, and in the middle of this, you got this guy who comes to Jesus who uh, is upset and wanting Jesus to, uh, to divide, tell his brother to divide his inheritance with him. And, and you get this picture of this guy who is anxious about having security, anxious about how's, how are things going to be taken care of. And Jesus says first, you know, man, who made me a judge or, or an arbitrator over you? And Jesus is, didn't come to restore property to people. He came to restore people to God. Um, but then he tells him, watch out, like you need to be on your guard against all covetousness or every form of greed. And, and that's important to think about too. I think, you know, sometimes our anxiety 
is is really just rooted in greed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rooted in wanting things, maybe wanting more than what we really need, uh, or feeling like we have to have a certain amount of security um, that built up to be able to be comfortable or sure. Which is funny because when I hear the word greed, I think like uh, honestly, what I think about is the. Uh, Looney Tunes or Daffy Duck or whatever version of uh, Scrooge, you know, A Christmas Carol or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, like that picture of like somebody who's just really like always trying to get and abuse people and stuff, but and then therefore getting. But like what you're pointing out is what Jesus is saying here is kind of if you're preoccupied with money, if like that's what you're thinking about, if you're stressed about it, that's actually a sign of greed. Like greed is, a, I guess my point is greed doesn't always look really evil. Sometimes right. it looks like hey, I should get what's mine. Like, right. my brother should divide the inheritance or, you know, the stock market is doing weird stuff and I'm stressed about that. Jesus is saying, that's greed. That's dangerous. That's bad. And yeah. it's not the evil stuff. It's not the Scrooge uh, picture that I have in my head when I think of greed, usually. Yeah, I'm thinking this guy's probably shocked by Jesus' response. He's just saying, Jesus say, hey, you know, make my make my brother follow the, the Levitical law. Yeah. You know? um, Be fair. You know, yeah, let it... Just Jesus provide justice for me, and uh, and Jesus turns it right around on him and says, you know, you need to watch out for uh, for all sorts of all sorts of greed and. Um, but the, this is where like the next person in the crowd had a question. They're like, maybe I should maybe not, that. maybe not. <laughs> I'll just leave. It. Sorry. That's true. That's true. But but Jesus is trying to teach him something. He's he's yeah. he he's trying to help this person to realize. That even if you have it all, even like even if you got the whole inheritance, yours and your brother's, then um, he says life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Um, an abundance of possessions doesn't give doesn't give you life, and we know that. I mean, we live in New York. Um, we get to see people that have it all, um, and uh, and it seems like every year there's some sort of devastating um, story about another person who seems to have it all, whether it's money or fame or both. Um, that just uh, takes their own life. I mean, we know that these things don't satisfy us, but yet still on a day-to-day level, I think sometimes we think if I just had a little bit more, if I just had, a, you know, mm-hmm. if I just had this, then uh, then life would be good. Um, and Jesus is trying to help this guy realize that even if you get all your land, um, you're not going to be satisfied with that. You're not going to have life from that. And to warn him of that, he tells the story about this, uh, this rich fool who... Uh, who has this, um, you know, very prosperous year. Um, and instead of seeing this excessive prosperity as a gift from God that should be used to share with, to share with others, he, he, uh, he instead sees it as an opportunity to store up more for himself, like mm-hmm. more security for right. him. Um, and notice there's no conversation at all about, um, I'm going to give away the extra. It's more about how can I build more barns so I can store up more. Um, and then right after that, Jesus comes and says, hey, these birds aren't sowing, they're not reaping, they're not storing up anything, and yet God takes care of them. And so I think it's, it's another reminder that, um, that we've got we've to watch out for, for how greed can, can take control of our own heart. Sometimes it's as simple as me thinking only about, i got to have this in the future, i got to make sure everything's taken care of. And sometimes I'll use that as an excuse not to help the people around me who are in need. Um, and, and it, or it can just consume me to the point where I can't seek first the kingdom of God, where God's kingdom becomes in the back seat because I'm so focused on 
I got to take care of me. I got to get this. I, I need this to be provided for. Um, and so Jesus is trying to help us to realize that if we'll just seek first the kingdom, um, then, uh, then, then God will take care of all that. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm, I'm looking down a little bit in the text in verses 29 and 30 and 31, which you're referencing the seeking his kingdom. And do not, verse 29 of chapter 12, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after those things, and your Father knows that you need them. Like, what am I looking for every day? That's kind of a, uh, that's not kind of, that's a convicting idea. Yeah. What am I looking for? You know? Yeah. So maybe you're like, oh, I'm not a greedy person. Okay, like, are you sure? Because the measurement of being a greedy person or being a worldly person or being a, a anxious, fearful person is, what are you looking for? Are you looking most passionately for God? Or are you looking most passionately for financial security, emotional security, social security? Uh, and I mean that in the relationship sense, not in right. the... But yeah. If I'm looking for those things, then that indicates I don't fear God enough. I'm not seeking God enough because whatever I... Going back to what you said at the top, whatever I fear the most, that's the thing I'm going to seek the most to have in my life to give me security. Yeah, that's pretty convicting stuff. What am I seeking? Yeah, and and you know Jesus's point is that uh, that the nations are seeking these things because they don't have God. You yeah. know, they're they're yeah. seeking these things because they they don't ha- they don't have what really can satisfy them. And so for us as disciples, it ought to be different for us. It ought to be that we're not anxious like the world is anxious about things like uh, you know who what's going to happen to our nation or what's going to happen to our, my bank account or what's going to happen to the economy those things shouldn't destroy us or lead us to despair the way it does other people because we have a god who we know provides all those things we have a god who rules over over all those things and and our trust is that if we'll seek his kingdom he'll give us those things and i think it's an appealing thing too like if you're listening to this right now this conversation you're thinking, man, that sounds pretty sweet to have that kind of security. I would love that. It's actually available. And I think you and I both, when we have our heads screwed on, right, like we experience that and we know lots of people who are following Jesus who do experience the peace and security that comes with seeking God. And if you're listening and you're not doing that, you should. Like you should seek God. You should seek God, period, because you should seek God because he loves you, because he's created you. But you also should seek God because he's promising some stuff that he could really change your life and he could give you the stuff you're actually looking for in all these different arenas that aren't working. But he's saying, boom, I got it for you right here. Just come on this way. And actually part of the cure for greed, I I think Jesus is trying to stress here, is having an accurate view of God and an accurate view of like your wealth. Understanding where it comes from. So like understanding that whatever I have is really not mine. It's actually things that are from God that have been that I've been entrusted with. Mm-hmm. Seeing myself as a steward of those things, but then also seeing God as He really is. Um, Jesus speaks about God in um, in verse thirty. He talks about your Father knows that you need these things, and then He says in verse thirty-two, "Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom." And as I read this, I'm thinking about three things that this reminds me about God. First, it reminds me that God's my father. Um, and it's, it's, it's a father's good pleasure to give a child what they need. So God wants to give me whatever I need. I, I need to remember that. But then also God is our shepherd, um, which reminds me that, uh, that actually he's, he's my protector and he's also my provider. He, 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 he knows how to protect. He knows how to provide. 
and uh, and he's going to do that. But then also he says it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And rem- remembering mm-hmm. that God is king makes him like the ultimate father and the ultimate shepherd. If he's the king of kings, then he's he's not like my dad, who, who may care about me and want what's best for me, but he's limited by what he knows, his, his lack of wisdom, or by what he has, his lack of uh, ability. Like um, power yeah, or whatever. Exactly, or resources. You know, my dad wanted to pay for all my college, but he just didn't have the money to do so, you yeah. know? But this is... He's not just our father, he's our heavenly father. And knowing that, that he's the king of kings, um, just gives me a security that I can, I can be free to seek first his kingdom and to do his will, knowing that I have the ultimate father taking care of me. It's easier said than done, but uh, I think that's a really helpful, uh, helpful thought to think about. Remembering who God really is is actually a big part of the cure for my anxiety and for and for my greed. That's huge. That's what I was thinking earlier. Like, all right, like, if I want to fear God, like, you know, if I want to not be anxious, if I want to not be greedy, whatever, what's the solution? But this is actually pretty helpful. You bring it out at the end that the real solution is to reshape my vision of what God is and what He provides and who He is and what He can mean in my life. That's that's the real central key to moving past fearing things of the world or being consumed with those things. If I see God as um, father, shepherd, and king, that kind of really changes everything. Yeah. You know, there's that little cliche thing we say, uh, let go and let God. Right. And actually, you see here, the, you see here uh, Jesus redirecting his followers on who God is, but then he also says let go. Like, you, you need to sell your possessions and give to the needy. And actually, part of what teaches us... Um, to uh, to become like God, giving and sharing and not greedy is is learning to pursue a simple life, mm. learning to let go of our possessions, learning to give up things, and particularly to 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 simplify and to share with other people who are in need. So um, don't get worried about your brother dividing the inheritance with you. Yeah. Don't be worried about building bigger barns. Don't be worried about other people approving of you socially. But that's think about right. how you can give it to somebody else. That's right. And actually, um, I was thinking that that's actually one of the ways that disciples of Jesus show themselves to be distinct from the world. Mm. You know, people of the world are always thinking about, I got to have this. I got to have this. I got to have that. I got to have that. And if, and if we as disciples are like, I got to have this and I got to have that and I got to have that then we don't appear to be any different from them. We're not showing them that there's any real uh, peace or satisfaction in the Lord. But I think when I come to see God as He truly is, and I come to be satisfied in God, it leads, it, it leads to me letting go of the things that used to be so dear to me. Mm-hmm. Those possessions, my bank account, my money, the things that I have are not are not so important to me uh, anymore. I'm, I'm able to let go of those things and share the share those with others that are in need. I'm thankful for them. Um, but I don't see them as my own to be stored up for myself and make sure I got more for the future. I see them as gifts that God's given me so that when someone's in need, I can share them with them. Same thing is, it seems to me, is related to what you talked about at the top, which is like this social acceptance and how people view me. Yeah. I'm fr- I don't have to worry about that. I'm here to love my neighbors myself. I'm here to help people out. I'm here to lift other people up. And, you know, if other people lift me up, cool, whatever, who cares? Just like money. If I get it, great. You know, that's something to thank God for. But I'm not stressing about it. I'm not pursuing it. I'm not trying to hoard social power or social approval or whatever because 
I'm good. I got my father who's shepherding over me and guiding me and providing for me, and he's the king of kings. So what he thinks about me is all I need. That's right. And so really it comes back to uh, this question you brought up of what am I really seeking? What am I treasuring in my life? Because um, because when I find what when, when I examine and I look at my heart and I see what I'm really chasing after, what I'm really seeking after, what I'm really treasuring, I figured out where my heart is. I figured mm-hmm. out what I'm what's really important to me. And the the sad thing is that if my treasure is on anything other than God, I'm going to be afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to worry a lot. I'm going to I'm going to have a hard time um, dealing with the trials and tribulations of life. But actually, if I can learn to put my treasure in the Lord, um, it goes a long way to helping me to, to learn to have peace and joy and, uh, and, and to have satisfaction in this world, uh, which of course leads to a much more fruitful life where I'm able to simplify and I'm able to share with others who are in need. And I don't have to have what everybody else has. Instead, I'm eager to take even what I do have and, and give it to others. For their good. That's good stuff. Well, listen, if uh, if you're listening, obviously, we literally didn't get to half of this chapter today. Um, so read it. Check it out. Send us a message with your thoughts and what's impressing you or what's changing you about that. I want to reiterate, a lot of this stuff, we're both disciples, so we talk in that way to each other. But... We know that you may not be if you're listening to this. So if you want to understand some of these things better or if you may be curious and want to learn what it would take to be a disciple, this isn't the whole story. There's a lot more. And obviously you may not believe all that stuff we were talking about as far as uh, how you may view God as father, shepherd, king. That stuff may not even register with you or make sense at all. So we understand that. We're going to talk about things like that in other discussions. This one wasn't geared toward that but we want to help you so send us a message like we said uh, you can check us out on our website thewaybk.com or on our facebook page thewaybk and you can message us and reach out and um, we'd be happy to help you out and share what we know and help you know the lord like we do thanks for listening look forward to next time thanks caleb thank you